0: Welcome to episode 501 of Troubadours and Tours, with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we share a wonderful conversation with regular contributor, playwright, poet, professor, baker, and candlestick maker, Kitty Bell Burbank we talk with Kitty Bell about West Coast versus East Coast. Fiction over news, staying engaged with society even if it means feeling awful. Goblin mode, decorum, being thoughtful. Making the world a better place, smaller conflicts and making cookies among other things. A wonderful conversation with Kitty Bell Burbank this go-round. We also have an EWSA titled Kicking It. We share an excerpt from a piece of fiction titled The Hollow Children by Louise Erdrich, published in the November 28th issue of The New Yorker magazine. And we have a poem called sun arc park by yours truly all of this of course will be infused imbued with the wonderful energy of several great tunes it is so nice to be with you let's get to it then episode 501 of troubadours and rock on tours
1: Let's take it easy Let's take it
2: easy Let's not go crazy Let's just be lazy now Let's not go crazy Let's take it easy Let's have some fun Uncomplicated Is underrated But it's the best way To pass our time down here We're convoluted Let's keep it simple Let's have some fun let's take it easy let's take it
1: easy let's not go crazy let's just be lazy now
2: let's not go crazy let's take it easy let's have some fun let's try some blindness let's feel some gladness let's take some solace in joviality. don't need no trouble let's just be playful let's have some fun Let's
1: take it easy Let's take it easy Let's not go crazy Let's just be lazy now Let's
2: not go crazy Let's take it easy Let's have some fun Hey, let's be lavish Let's be unselfish Let's give full measure Cause we are bountiful Let's be ungrudging Let's not be judging Let's have some fun Let's take it easy Let's take it easy
1: Let's not go crazy Let's just be lazy now Let's not go crazy Let's take it easy Let's have some fun
2: Let's be kind-hearted, let's be good-natured Cause we're well-meaning, and we're compassionate and unshackled, and liberated Let's have some fun Let's take it easy,
1: let's take it easy Let's not go crazy, let's just be lazy now Let's not go crazy, let's take it easy Let's have some fun
2: Let's keep it tranquil Let's just be gentle Relaxed and peaceful Cool and perturbable Composed, collected Serene and sated Let's have some fun Let's take it easy Let's take it easy
1: Let's not go crazy Let's just be lazy now Let's not go crazy Let's take it easy Let's have some fun
0: Let's take it easy, let's take it easy, let's not go crazy, let's just be lazy now. Kicking it. Do you remember how Joe Morocco used to walk? Christ, he was cool. And here I am, a child with a white beard, standing under a crisp barren maple tree in late November. I smoke it all since sweet September. It makes all the difference, as I forget not to remember. Nothing means anything anyway. But it must. It needs to mean something, all of this. It is your soul, your heart, your spirit and mind, What it means. And then three doe trot through my backyard across the asphalt Edgewood East into a neighbor's leaf-covered grass, home to intermingled trees and sweet relief. I drink a beer and smoke an American spirit gold in a crisp autumn breeze. This is 501... Fire on the mountain guru in white slick skin boots pointed at the toes, kicking it on guitar. Inside now, sitting on the couch with my slippered feet on a brown beat-up but strong coffee table. Seven hours from then, I am up again and the deep orangeness of another sunrise emerges from the valley, a daily uprising of rainbow, spectrum, energy, atoms, love, discontent, treasure, lonely, yet together forever, as these bones and flesh and hair are here now, there yesterday, speaking with a tongue lathered in wit, stories, wisdom, and recipes this enigma-wrapped conundrum demure.
3: Satellites gone up to the skies Things like that drive me out of my mind I watched it for a little while I like to watch things on TV Satellite of Love Satellite of Love Satellite of Love Satellite of Love Satellite's gone Way up to Mars I've been told that you've been bold With Harry, Mark and John Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday to Thursday With Harry, Mark and John Satellites gone up to the skies Things like that drive me out of my mind
0: Kitty Bell Burbank, is that you?
4: Yes, I missed your call because I was chasing my cat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's a good enough reason. We'll take it.
4: She she wanted to go outside in the rain, but she doesn't really want to go outside in the rain. So she keeps coming to the door, and then when I go to let her in, she runs away again because, like, she wants me to go outside and play or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, I you know that sounds familiar. My dog is is persnickety like that too. He he uh she wants to go outside and then you get her outside she wants to come in yeah you know they're bored i suppose we're we're not exciting enough we're not exciting enough humans
4: yes yeah she's just gonna have to wait because this is a very important conversation
0: well thank you i think so i love talking with kitty bell burbank regular contributor on troubadours and rock on tours for a number of years now she's a playwright a poet a professor a baker, and a candlestick maker, among other things, and a mom, I should mention. I've been seeing a lot of pictures with your uh, daughters and you, and uh, it seems like you guys, over the last few months, have had uh, some nice opportunities to spend time together.
4: Yes, they are the best thing I ever made. (laughs) Better than candlesticks.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they're pretty impressive, for sure. My compliments And uh, are they going to be around? Were they around for Thanksgiving?
4: Uh, The youngest one was, uh, Francie was, but uh, Miranda's Mm -hmm. still in California um, until uh, the spring. They're going to be moving back. And, um, you know, there's a difference, I think, between West Coast and East Coast people. And some of us are bi-coastal, I guess. Um, But there's... uh, Being out west in the sunshine isn't isn't everything that we think. I know um, Miranda and her boyfriend were here for uh, some weddings in October and they were so excited by all of the pumpkin things that we have here. Uh, Apparently, they don't have that many pumpkin beers in Los Angeles. So you think, oh, they have more of everything in L.A.? Not true.
0: No, no. You know, my oldest is out there now, too. Uh, Lorenzo, he's out in L.A. Oh, okay. And, uh, you know, maybe they hung out together when they were little kids. I don't know if they remember, but uh, it'd be kind of neat if maybe they got together while they're out there in L.A. to get, you know, for us, at least, for from my, my imagination, maybe they'd be like, why do I want to get together with a stranger? <laughs>
4: you know? yeah, well, it's hard to meet people. I mean, we think, oh, as we get older, it's just hard for us. But, I mean, they're in their 20s, and, and you would think that it would be easier. But, um, I. It, there's some truth to the, you know, the rumors, the <laughs> the bad things that they say about uh everybody's out there trying to get rich and famous and
3: It's vapid.
0: Um, yeah, they're vapid.
4: Yeah, and there are I mean there are people that like Miranda who wanted to study painting at a good school, you know? She took advantage of the California education system to have low student loans, but um I know that they've had stories they've told me where they've met people who promptly forgot they invited them to something because something else came along and that kind of thing that we just don't do around here, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I hear that all the time. You know, maybe it's a stereotype, maybe it's unfair, but I've heard it so often uh, for decades now that it is pretty prevalent. That mentality you're describing, a sort of flightiness a sort of, um, you know, shallowness, vapid, as I mentioned, in L.A. And uh, you know, I, is it just a stereotype that's unwarranted, or is there some truth to it? I'm not sure, but it seems your daughter and her, uh, I guess, her boyfriend, right?
4: Who is also from Scranton? Yeah. Who's
0: also they? They feel it. They see it.
4: Yeah, yeah. They. I mean, she's told me they've had a really hard time meeting people making. I mean maybe not meeting people, but making friends, you know, people that you want to keep hanging out with that you can get some kind of intimacy with. Um, it's just, it's hard. Uh, it's been hard for them. And, and, uh, so they're looking forward to maybe Philly. Um, Miranda's applying to like six different grad schools. So, uh, they'll see where she gets in, you know,
0: university of the arts, one of them. That's a great one down in Philly.
4: Maybe. Yeah. I know that she's definitely, I mean, he wants to go to Philly <laughs> huh. and it's close, you know, it's close to home. So I, I think that she's looking at a couple schools, but I know she's going all the way up to Yale and all the way down to, um, I don't know, Baltimore, maybe.
0: But she's an East Coast woman and that's where she, she wants to be, it seems. That's good.
4: Yeah. I mean, I think they like the weather, but then she said, you know, you have to drive an hour to find a hiking path that's not paved. Mm. So she loves nature and she loves the woods here. You know, I I think she does appreciate um, things about the the natural landscape there. But it's still it's it's hard to make a living and it's. uh, Yeah.
0: Yeah. She, you know, know, she misses mom's home cooking.
4: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the cookies yeah the
0: cookies for sure we're gonna get into that in a bit well how about you we're talking about our kids how about you how how's it how's it going for you did, are you getting into the um into the whole holiday thing are you midterm? <clears throat> excuse me the midterm elections you know how did that work for you uh that was
4: really hard the yeah mid- the
0: midterm yeah
4: yeah um I don't know why, was it harder than it was before or did it just feel that way? Um, So much nastiness and and then, you know, being afraid that Dr. Oz might get elected was just, how could this be real? It's it's just, it's very, and and yeah, the rhetoric seems to have gotten, like, nobody's even trying to make a good argument anymore. They're just arguing and, and it, it's not about like, as professors, we teach that you need evidence, you need um, to, to back this up with examples but they don't do that in politics. And they just, uh, I don't know, I just feel that there's like some kind of underhanded nastiness that is worse. Maybe it was always there, but people used to pretend to be nice, right. and then would be nasty behind closed doors. Right. Um. I mean, I don't know. Maybe let's pretend more. <laughs> well,
0: you 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 mentioned Doctor Oz. Who speaking of vapid, there's a there's like the. The poster boy for vapid in my view um, and and it was afraid I, I was afraid to 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 think that he might win and be senator for our great state of Pennsylvania and thankfully he he isn't Fetterman is and uh, what about Herschel Walker though as we speak today, we're speaking on um, December 6th and the runoff because the state of Georgia didn't overwhelmingly vote for Warnock who is. Oh, man, I mean, he's a, he's a man. He's a good man. Where Herschel Walker is some sort right, of avatar. A, a
4: reverend, right? Isn't right. He like a, <laughs> right. And, and all I read something about that. All these Christians are voting for Herschel Walker. It's bizarre. Instead of the man who's dedicated his life to, like... These principles, these values—that, yeah—it's so confusing. It is. Saturday Night Live does a good job of making fun of Herschel Walker. I think (laughs) because Keenan is great. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. Uh, But I'm curious to see how that plays out. You know, I think Warnock's going to win.
4: Yeah, yeah. Fetterman had me worried because he did not do a good job in that debate. Well, he had a
0: stroke. He couldn't process.
4: I know. I know. I but I couldn't watch it. Um, and, and I think part of his problem was kind of coming up with those more nuanced answers, um, because it's OK to change your mind. You can be against fracking and then things change and you get different information or the economy changes and or, or the mindset of the people that you're representing changes. And then you can say, OK, now I'm for this. But he didn't do a good job of explaining that at all <laughs> and it just i was like oh i don't know about this guy like so you were um, even
0: questioning uh, whether because he... i felt
4: he was being dishonest i felt that he wasn't being straightforward and well he's unhealthy like
0: he's unhealthy
4: yeah and i and i think it's it's not that he wasn't being honest he just didn't know how to say it maybe right. or it wasn't coming out and, and i understand that i mean i've found out recently that um I really am on the autism spectrum and I thought like things were just hard for me my whole life, <laughs> but it's real. And yeah, I have trouble talking sometimes. You make it easy.
0: Uh-huh. Well, um, that, that's But nice I write for a
4: reason, you know, I became a writer because it was, it, I could express myself um, more eloquently than trying to talk out loud under pressure. <laughs> hey,
0: well, you do it in class too with your students.
4: I've had a lot of practice, you know, I, I, I prepare. It's one thing to kind of know something, but then trying to communicate that is, is hard. And, um, I have my notes. I have my, you know, I've learned techniques to, to get away with it. I have notes right now, just in case I forget what I'm talking about.
0: Well, that's smart. You're prepared. I mean, and that, yeah. that those are important characteristics. Well, first of all, one's intrinsic—you're just smart. The other one, being prepared, I suppose that's somewhat of uh, a quality, maybe that is inherent in a, an individual. But you also need to work on it. You got to cultivate it. And You obviously do. I mean, uh, and many of the things I've seen you. Involved with you're you're very much prepared and uh, you take things seriously. That's that's I think going back to what we were talking about earlier. How could people even fathom voting for Herschel Walker when they call themselves Christians, or how could anybody fathom uh, voting for Doctor Oz? And that they don't demand that a person put out there an argument that is backed with facts and and uh, clear rationale. It, uh, people maybe just don't want to put in the time they you know that i wonder about that if people just don't or i mean it can't be that they're not intrinsically capable uh, i don't think that's the case i think we're lazy mm. what do you think <clears throat> i
4: i think that wow i think we're lazy about things that it just doesn't make sense to put effort into <laughs> More so, you know, like some things are just really distasteful or, or, or um, ugly. Like the whole political thing is just ugly. Like having, I, I used to listen to the news every morning, and it it was right around election time, and and Trump's announcement that he was coming back in, like to run. I was just like, I can't, <laughs> I I can't listen to this anymore. Like I. It it gets hard, so then, you know, I'm like, oh great, I'll just listen to more audio books and and more fiction, and then I'm like, wait, what's going on? You know, why why can't train workers have sick time? I don't understand what's happening. <laughs>
0: oh, you're talking about the strike uh, that's yeah. n- looming uh, in the United States, the uh, the uh, train industry. Yeah, that that yeah that that is a good question, and you got to stay. How much
4: Yeah. How much research do I have to do to still not understand?
0: Right. But I hear you. I hear you. Well, first of all, I hear you about having to listen to and and process someone like Donald Jackass Trump. You know. <laughs> you know that's hard to do because he's such a narcissist. He's such a liar, and he's just a, not a nice person.
5: Well, uh, he
4: he has no respect for the constitution. No, I mean, he, no. Which has been used as an excuse in a in a lot of bad ways. Um but that doesn't mean you just get rid of it because you want to be the king. Right. And that's what he said recently. Exactly. So I could get I, got, I can get behind
0: that like, you know, and I understand not wanting to listen to him, but we gotta stay engaged generally, otherwise yeah. The system the democracy will be totally taken away, I think, by people who are paying attention and maybe probably aren't
4: thinking the same way we are. Right. Yeah, so so I mentioned um in our little pre-discussion about this 2022 word of the year. Goblin mode. <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face.
0: Goblin mode.
4: So the Oxford Dictionary, I guess, comes up with a couple of choices and then asks people to vote on it. And I was just looking um, on, on NPR and their explanation for how this became a thing. Um, more than 300,000 people voted with an overwhelming majority, 93% favoring goblin mode as the word of the year.
0: <laughs> uh, what does it mean? I'm totally in the dark.
4: Right. Um, exactly. What does it mean? I think it means I think it's a, a great metaphor. You know, maybe um, the NPR uh, piece here starts with it's mindlessly binge watch, binge watching television without worrying about the time. It's eating snacks in bed without a care about leftover crumbs, and it's wearing the same pair of pajamas all week while working from home.
0: Oh, now I get it. (laughs) The
4: slang slang term is defined as a type of behavior which is unapologetically self-indulgent, lazy, this is why I bring it up, slovenly or greedy, typically in a way that rejects social norms or expectations. Hmm. So
0: there's trouble when that becomes the prevalent mode of operation. Yeah. And I think if it must be becoming pretty prevalent if it if it's looked at as a potential, you know, word of the year or term of the year. Yeah.
4: Yeah. And when I teach college writing, I usually use whatever the word of the year is as a timed, uh, timed writing essay prompt. Uh, right before finals. Mm -hmm. So I I always look to see what it is. Um, I would love to hear what students (laughs) have to say about it. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's necessarily laziness. Again, I think there's this, why does it have to be this way kind of just um, feeling that it's, it's just unpleasant out there.
0: So because of that feeling, we escape to gob- goblin mode or using goblin mode as an escape. Yeah. Ah,
5: yeah, so.
4: we just want to be left alone for a little bit and not judged and not have to put on makeup and um, look a, a certain way. Picture picture ready. <laughs> um, we, we want to be ourselves and not be judged
0: I get that. But at the same time.
4: Yeah, it's dangerous.
0: Well, when you say it's dangerous, it's dangerous. I want to make sure we're we're thinking the same way. It's dangerous to get too down about that and and stay in goblin mode too long. Is that what you mean?
4: Well, yeah. And that lack of decorum.
0: Right. Wearing your pajamas every day.
4: Yeah. I mean, there's something to be said about being thoughtful to other people you know thinking about what their experience is like trying to make the world a, a better nicer place um, you know as as a artist I, I like things to look nice you know I mean that doesn't have to be a bad thing
0: no that's not a bad thing but what what so when you're, you're talking aesthetically uh, part- yeah Uh, Yeah. And then, I mean, you can even get more deep about making the world a better place, behaving, people behaving in a better way, you know, and I don't mean judging folks. You're not dressed right or you you talk out of turn. I'm talking about what kind of what you mentioned, being more thoughtful, being more patient, you know, uh, with one another and, and having an open mind and trying to work together.
4: Yeah, there's, there's got to be a balance somewhere between not having to feel that pressure of, you know, wearing this mask, but then yet also having empathy and compassion and not being selfish, thinking about other people.
0: Right. And wearing the mask that we wear the mask to, to what end?
4: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, and and sometimes it's harder for people to wear masks (laughs) or there's things that you just. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a tough one. You know, I just well, I don't I don't want to get into that, but sometimes people have high, not even high expectations, but um, selfish expectations for how other people should behave.
0: Give me an example
4: give you an example yeah Um, (laughs) well like I said um, sometimes in confrontation or um, when people have disagreements um, there's power plays and you know it's assumed that one person is going to be deferential and not express an opinion that's challenging um, and another person's going to decide that that's rude to question them. Mm. Um, whereas what they're actually doing is silencing that person and not letting them have a voice um, because they're interpreting it as um, condescending or, um, who are you to question me? <laughs> yeah. What do you th- who do you think you are? You know? Oh, I thought I was an equal person in the room. Excuse me. <laughs> um, I,
0: yeah. I hear you. I've experienced that. I've experienced that. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I have I have too, very recently in a way that it's kind of <clears throat> making me question a lot of um, of things. So, yeah, are we allowed to be ourselves?
0: Yeah, and and it, it is a balance. Like you said are we allowed to be ourselves, but at the same time you need to have decorum you need to have, not be selfish uh you have to understand there are other people in the- in the room in the world in your community all that it's a balance though yeah i I'm trying to figure that out every day too the The fact that you're even reflecting on these uh, ideas these questions is is hopeful. And and is definitely uh, progress as a human, as a person. Some people, most people, I would gather, don't.
4: Yeah, it, it was looking really good in the during the pandemic. We were talking about mental health and um, and and maybe being nicer to people. You know, in a way that I was like, oh, this is great. Like this is really good. And we started to see uh, television characters that weren't like. Seinfeldian but um like Ted Lasso and friendly and it doesn't it, it can be a positive message like you can have conflict but it could still be nice. And I still think we're headed in that direction but um I know I just saw a great script from a, a student in my screenwriting class where she was like I want to write something about animals <laughs> that's nice and 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 she said she used the word wholesome and I was like okay there's a place for this you know somewhere I think Um, but then I I read what she actually wrote and I was like oh there's conflict here there's like a a student bear that's trying to get all of her work done and feels like she's alienating her friends because she's studying too much And, and I was like wow this is real this is something people can relate to um so I don't know if, if "wholesome" is the right word. What does "wholesome"
0: mean to you? I mean, "wholesome." You're, it sounds like you're I looking at it negatively.
4: I guess, yeah. I I don't know why I think that. Like, why my inclination was to think wholesome was too. What's the word? Saccharine to mm-hmm. to vanilla to safe, not taking risks, not uh, pushing any boundaries or asking any hard questions or, but I, I think that, you know, she managed to achieve something that a lot of people could relate to that, you know, there are these struggles that, um, they matter, you know, it doesn't have to be blood and guts and bombs and terrorists and whatever all the time, you know, a lot of us are dealing with smaller conflict, but it's still real.
0: Definitely. Well said. Kitty Bell Burbank on the program, regular contributor here for years. Happy to say, proud to say, Um, you know, we're getting down to the end of our conversation this go around. And I want to give you an opportunity to do our traditional talk, you know, about cookies for the holidays. You know, that's a big, you know, that is for me. And I'm not putting any pressure on you. (laughs) But, you know, the last several years, you all, I come home on Christmas Eve from being out with with my family at my mother's, and there's cookies on my stoop from you with a beautiful poem affixed to it that you wrote yourself. That's one of my favorite parts of Christmas Eve.
4: Yay. I'm glad you're not there when I drop them off.
0: (laughs) Are you? Yeah. It makes it a little bit cooler in a way for you, right? You could be like Santa Claus.
4: Yeah. 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 And I've done that to, you know, some other people are on that list. It it changes like who really needs this, this year, you know, who, who could I really, and my sister goes with me. And, um, so it's, it's a thing for us to, you know, spread a little Santa, but, um, but yeah, making cookies is like, that just makes sense to me. It's, um, you, you can have something to show for it. And, um, you know, I'm found myself in a position where I'm, Uh, a little light on work right now (laughs) and, um, applying for jobs is, um, uh, it, it can be difficult, especially in, in this, you know, where are we right now with, um, employees and labor and like, how much of my soul do I have to give you to get a paycheck? Um, and making cookies, it's like, they're there. You know, it's a tangible thing that I can give to someone and I don't want anything back. I just want you to enjoy them. And um, it's not a transaction. You know, it's not about selling them or or anything. It's just like I'm going to put my whole heart into this and, and, and give it away and it feels good. And I think I have some good recipes here I'm looking at. I always try to make something new. Something old, something new.
0: Yeah, some of your your uh, staples. Give the folks a taste. What are some of the cookies you you usually go to? Uh,
4: well, I make a, a lekvár kolachi which is uh, from my uh, Slovak Eastern European heritage, uh, because nobody really makes them, and. Um, the, the left bar is a a prune. And I I think I started by like buying a prune butter in a jar and that's just not good. But (laughs) when you, when you make it yourself, you know, simmer the, the prunes on the stove with a little orange juice and some cinnamon and, um, uh, some maple syrup, maybe, uh, they're kind of sweet, so you don't need much, but, um, Oh, it's so much! It's so much better. And so then you have it. What are you going to do? Yeah, yeah, shortbread, and, and then I'm looking at some new things. So I just ordered this tea. It's called Yopon, and it's the only caffeinated uh, plant tea plant in that's indigenous to the United States. Mm. I had never heard of it before. No, me either. But uh, the herbal site that I bought the tea off of had a recipe for like forgotten Yopon cookies. I was like, oh this sounds too poetic <laughs> to not make this. So um I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. That's that's a new thing just for this year.
1: Oh boy.
0: Sounds wonderful. Yeah. You, you know K- Kitty you're you're uh you're inspiring a lot of times. You know, every time I talk to you, you give me a little inspiration. Hopefully uh, you get a little from talking to the folks here on Troubadours and Rock on Tours as well, um, and uh, I, I'm happy to to uh, be maybe on that list again for the cookies. I, I hope, but if not, don't worry. If there's somebody yeah, I'd else, yeah,
4: I have to make sure I can find your address. But I think at this point we could find the house without the address. Yeah. <laughs> We've done it a couple times. My sister probably remembers how to get there if I can't find it.
0: But either way, it's a gift just having you on Troubadours and Rockin' Tours. I love uh, the way you look at things and the way you explain yourself. And uh, Thanks so much. Thanks again.
4: Yeah, it's a gift to be listened to and understood.
0: It is. It is. And if it's just you and me right now, that's good enough.
4: It's good enough for me, yeah.
0: Me too. Thank you for having a conversation.
4: Yes, thank you.
0: And we'll see you around campus.
4: Okay, (laughs) yeah. Take care. All right, you too. Bye-bye.
5: Sitting at this party.
0: And now an excerpt from a piece of fiction titled The Hollow Children, written by Louise Erdrich, published in the November 28, 2022 edition of The New Yorker magazine. At the Tabor Bar, around beer number four, the men sometimes got into history farming trading stories of their antecedents' exploits and agonies. In the long ago, wheat prices had plunged and most of the bonanza farms had broken up. That was when their great-greats had bought the land. The men talked about old plagues, old equipment, old swaps of ownership, crops, land, and dire weather. John Palvecki's great-grandmother, at the age of nine, had survived the blizzard of 1923 by burrowing into a nearby haystack when the school bus didn't show up. Diz remembered his grandfather telling stories about an Uncle Ivik who had also endured that blizzard, which was particularly lethal because it happened on a misty and mild April day. Around 8 that morning, the bus had been almost full of children and headed toward the school, when out of the northwest a wind of 60 miles per hour had dropped the temperature instantly to minus 20 and filled the air with a blistering cold curtain of powder. Such a snow could blind your eyes and scour the features off your face. Ivik was a farmer, a part-time schoolteacher, and one of the bus drivers. He was taking his turn behind the wheel. In the back of a school notebook, not long after the blizzard, he wrote about what happened. Ivik was bouncing down the muddy road when the mist dissolved and he saw it. A boiling white mass rolling at him like annihilation. He drove straight in at full speed, hoping to make it the rest of the way on sheer momentum. But in the whiteout, he slowed to a crawl, then crept along, feeling through the tires for the road. The children had gone dead silent. The silence lasted until Ivik lost his feel of the road and knew that they had left it. The earth on either side of the Red River had been rolling-pinned by a vast and ancient glacier. The flat fields and prairie were of a time eternal, and the human presence in that expanse was slight. The children knew it, and he knew it. They had to keep moving or die. Luckily, he filled the gasoline tank. "'How about a song?' Ivik shouted." What will we sing, the Viveki boy called out from a few seats back. His voice trembled. Perhaps he thought a church hymn would ensure their admittance to heaven. We shall sing Wild Clover. Ivic hadn't noticed the girl. She touched her hand to his shoulder. It was Agnid Aubrey, daughter of a Welsh man and an Irish woman a steady girl of eleven years, whose upbringing had been of the finest sort. From her mother, fearless good cheer, and from her father, a soldier who'd fought in Mesopotamia, drinking songs adapted for childish ears. She began, and she taught the other children the words as she went along, just the way Ivick taught his students to learn poems and stirring speeches by heart. I've been a wild clover all summer long, And I've spent all my money on sunlight and song, But now I am falling asleep under snow, So I can return as wild clover once more. And it's yes, yeah, ever, yes, yeah, ever and more, Shall I be the wild clover Yeah, ever and more. Sun Arc Park Orange, yellow, subtle tint of red Just overhead, to the left As it crests above the mountain horizon The moon up higher White, cloudy, cream, pearl To the right Two highways straight ahead One above the other Nestled in the woods Vehicles moving quiet East to west, west to east, I run in early morning peace. Low kid sees me sweating through the carol Episode five hundred and one of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I would like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, Kitty Bell Burbank, The New Yorker Magazine writer Louise Erdrich. And these musical artists The Lonious Monk Buster Poindexter Lou Reed Ways Blood Dave Edmonds Wilco Branford Marsalis and Terence Blanchard Too And of course I would like to thank you for listening Until next time let's give it a go and do our best with this time take care